And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. We're excited to be joined today by one of the key players on one of the best teams in the NBA. That's right. Just one of the flat-out best teams in the NBA. Not a surprise, not a plucky underdog, not an up-and-coming team. Just one of the best teams in the NBA from the Memphis Grizzlies. Jaron Jackson Jr., how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in. You like that? One of the best teams? Have you guys, do you feel like you've transitioned in the media, in the NBA environment from, oh, this is kind of a fun, feel-good story to, oh, crap, dude, these guys are just good? Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that because I think what made us so good is we never paid attention. And, I mean, media and you guys, like, everybody does such a great job of covering sports. Like, I'm a fan myself. Like, I... I'm interested in what's going on. Like, I'm always paying attention to the standings, like games, stuff like that. But, I mean, obviously in my job, it's more efficient for you to just lock in on what you have to do. And that's just, you know, staying focused. It's tunnel vision. It's kind of like the same thing. So, like, when the media, like the media's job, like their job, they're locked in on, you know, coverage, how to get the most attention, how to get the most uh, viewership, which increases revenue, which, you know, feeds their families. So I've always understood how like that works, like the different jobs and the different lanes of everybody. So I've been able to respect it a lot, but I mean, I love the fact that we're getting covered more. So, so my grandma can watch, like she can, she can watch on her little, her little TVs before we upgraded her to like league pass and all that. Like she wanted to see more of my game. So that's dope. More TNT, more ESPN. Well, I don't, I don't think you guys are going to have a problem with that over the next, over the next few years. So you guys are, as we're taping this, it's Thursday afternoon, March tenth, I think. So it might be a couple of days before this goes up. As of right now, you guys are thirty-six and twelve since starting the season, nine and ten. Thirty-six and twelve. So I want you to take me back. A lot of hype around the Grizzlies. Made the playoffs last year. Um, beat the Warriors in the play-in tournament, get in the playoffs, lose, but like, you know, you put yourselves on the map. Then you start out 9-10, and 10, and in that 19th game at 9-10, and 10, Ja gets hurt, goes down against the Hawks with what looks like a knee injury. How do you guys, take me in that locker room, take me into the next few days, because everyone at that point is like, oh man, their, their season's on the brink. Like, if they just go 500 without Ja, that's, that's a win. They stay alive. And it wasn't on the brink at all. You guys just took off like gangbusters after that. But how? take me inside the team at that moment. What do you remember? Well, I mean, if you go back, all right. So we started off 9-10, right? I can't even tell you if I really remember what we were thinking at that point. I think we were just like, I hadn't played much the year before, so I'm figuring everything out. We're gelling together. Steve-O's here. We're new. Um we're figuring it out. It's like figure it out mode. We have the utmost confidence in ourselves and what the work we put in in the summer. So talent really wasn't something we were thinking about. We were just like, man, we know we can click. We know we got it. Sorry. Boom. We we keep playing. We keep playing. We get on a little streak, right? Jaw goes down. Now, when Jaw went down, yeah, like I remember that game. Hawks game at home. Jaw goes down. Blowout loss. You guys lose by 32. Yeah, 32. <laughs> as, de- <laughs> as demoralizing as it gets for the 19th game of the season. For sure. 32 points. That hurt. Yeah. But I didn't even it was like the score didn't even matter to me. I, I think my mind just had gone to the next like like just I was thinking about job. I didn't I wasn't thinking about nothing else. I, I didn't care. I was like, man, what's 12 on? Like, what, What's happening? Like, I didn't even want to play really anymore, to be honest. It, it sucks to say, but I really didn't want to play like that part of the game. Just was, and it was getting at me. I couldn't get over it for that for that game. I could. not 
after the game, I mean, we're finding out what's up. The greatest news we heard was that he didn't have that surgery. He wasn't about to miss no year. So cool. Boom. He's about to miss however many games. We got to lock in. We come together real quick. We understand we got to lock in. But the difference is he's right there. He's right there. He's talking to us. He's on the same page. He knows he's on the bench every game. He's in still in practice. That matters? That matters as you guys keep going? Of course. Of course it matters because, I mean, that's our brother. We need that. Like we just need we need your presence, bro. We need you to because you're you're such we're we're filling your shoes right now. We're filling your shoes. We're filling what you do. So boom, he's doing that. He's always around. It helps. It translates. And then we went on a streak, and we didn't even know we were really doing it until we were doing it. Until we look up and it's like, all right, we're winning like eight eight games, like one like nine out of ten games. And it's like, okay, us being able to hold it down, we were just so excited until he got back. Like man. It was like, man, we can't wait till you get back, bro, because we've been able to hold it down. We, we, you don't have to come back and feel rushed or anything. Just get your, get your flow back, really. And, and he came back, and I remember <laughs> he came back, and we lost. So it's like he's like, you know, uh, you know. But no one, I mean, that that clearly never mattered. Like no one even cared about that. I, I mean, eventually you're gonna, you're gonna lose a game. Like of course he, his last game was the Hawks game, and then he seen us play ten games, and then he come back, and then we lose. And he's probably like, damn, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to win like how they was winning. But then we go on a crazy streak after that. So, I mean, it just goes to show that anything, like, it, it, you just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Anything can happen. But I'm telling you, like, that was crazy. That was a crazy experience, man, him being out for like that. I would say one of the most important individual skill things that has happened in the NBA this season is what you have done on defense. Because even after last season, and like you said, you missed most of the season, there were all these all these questions that I would ask, that other people in the media had asked, that people in the league would ask. Like, huh, can Jaron can Jaren defend well enough to play center? Wow, maybe he can only defend well enough to play a four because he's not, he's not the rim protector. Should he be switching? Is he going to be comfortable in the drop back? What if he can't get good enough at any of these things to anchor a defense? And then like flash forward six months, you lead the league in blocked shots. Just regularly, like, he had five tonight, six tonight, four the other day. But it's not like you're chasing these shot blocks at the expense of rebounding or you're just out of position. You've just almost from the outside, not from the inside, I'm sure, not from your experience, from the outside, in in like a blink, made a leap from question to elite. What has that been like uh from the inside, like, what did you do this offseason? Is any of this surprising to you, or did you always know? I mean, I, I read old stories from college and high school about how you loved defense. You took pride in defense. Did you always know at the NBA level, forget position, forget scheme, like, I, I can be this defensively, or are even you a little surprised how fast it happened? Well, I mean, when I was really younger, I was playing with some talented players even when I was, like, 8, 10 years old. Um, those guys, I mean, they've gone on to be – prolific in what they do. I play with guys like Brandon Slater and Justin Moore who go to Villanova right now. Those are two really nice wings and they'll be in the league soon. And I remember back then, like they were so talented at scoring back then. And before my scoring became what it was, I was like, I need to make an impact somehow. I I want to touch the ball. So I'd always go and block shots. And back then guards weren't that good. I'm gonna be honest. They just weren't. We're eight. They don't know how to reverse. <laughs> They're only going to shoot one side of the rim. They only got right hand. So I know the timing. I would just, you know, almost just let guards go to the rim so you could just time it and block shots and it used to be so much fun. Guards started getting better. I had to get better. As I got more guard skills and I got more, and I'm and most of my shots, like, they're not always in the post. Sometimes I'm driving. Sometimes I'm shooting. 
So I'm taking a lot of shots that the guards that I have to contest are shooting too. So I know different timings on how I would want to shoot. So I kind of just get in their head. I'm like, all right, bet you're coming in the lane. You're doing this. When would I want to shoot it against me if I'm worried about me? When would I want to? So I jump at that time. I don't jump at the time where everyone else would jump. I'm going to jump super early because I know you're going to want to shoot it quick. Or if I know you're going to try to slow step me, like if it's Luca or some guy who does stuff like that, then I'm going to try to time it. Now, I'm not going to jump and I'm going to wait till you release the ball and see if I have a chance then. And if I don't block it, at least I've made it hard enough for you to, you know, take a tough shot. Because sometimes it ain't about blocking shots. That's that's why, like, like, I think maybe maybe. OK, you had questions about what I could be in terms of an anchor. I probably got that first real test in the playoffs against Rudy and we didn't win that series. But I had to do a lot with that. And that taught me a lot. So, boom, now I get a lot. I get a training camp. I get a full summer to prepare. I'm back and I understand more. It's not all about the block. It's about, like, making it hard. We're pros. So, it's going to – you try to make it hard as possible on the, the person coming at you. So, once you do that, if you think like that, then you'll block shots. Then it'll happen. If you just think block shots, you're just going to foul out. Just gonna foul out. You ain't gonna get no blocks. It's just not gonna work like that. Which has been the foul. The fouls are one of the are one of the only issues left. What what I have? I need to sit down and watch all your fouls. What foul? What foul is the low hanging fruit for you to like cut out of your game? What's the one bad foul habit that you mm-hmm. gotta get out now? You can't have any frustration fouls, and you can't. I mean, sometimes it, it'd be offensive screens or just fighting. I have long arms. I sometimes I might hit somebody with the end of my arm. Seven foot, seven foot four wingspan. There's a lot I have to control all the time. I can't get there's a lot of things you can't do. You can't you really, you can't like do a lot. You can't play with your hands. Like you really can't. You have to make sure you are back. You cannot do anything. Do not touch any. It's really not touching anybody. Cuz if your arm's down, if your arm is down by your side and someone hits you, it's a foul on you. If your arm was up and it hits your side, it's not a foul. It's little things. You just got to know the rules have changed over the years. It's little little niches but to be honest i mean it used to be worse for sure it used to be worse for me and i had to overcome that but i never was worried and people ask me all the time like oh my god like yeah, yeah. i was never <laughs> i was never <laughs> i was never worried i just knew like man eventually it's just not gonna happen and i mean yeah for sure i mean it changed but at the same time i also know like the way i play and the amount of impact i'm gonna have i'm gonna get some the problem is I can't get the one like I can't get something stupid like I can't get the one that's like frustration or just really out of bounds, because if I'm going to get two, let's say I'm going to get two from playing hard and trying to block shots and I get like five blocks and I get two fouls. Cool. That's fine. But at the end of the day, like I can't have like uh, I can't have. Like two other ones that are like bad like that, I can't. When you start games, you start at the four next to Steve-O. Are we calling Steven Adams Steve-O now? Is that what we've we've settled on? Steve. Steve-O. Just Steve. Steve or Steve-O. Okay, so you start, at the, you start guarding fours. Then when you play with Brandon Clark, you usually guard fives. You're the center instead of the four. Do you, do you have a preference? Do you care? Do you feel like uh, – do you like one better than the other? Is one more fun than the other, or, or do you care at all? No, I don't care. They're That's what you're there. supposed to say. Is that true? Yeah, I'm on the floor. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm in the game. I definitely don't care. Speaking of Steve-O, 
Um, you've had, the Grizz have had a lot of like iconic viral moments this year. One of them was uh, Tony Bradley and John Morant getting into a little scuffle in a Bulls-Grizzlies game. And Steven Adams just lifting a very large human, Tony, Tony Bradley, and carrying him across the court like a parent taking his child out of an argument. Did you guys? Uh, you're watching that. Is that? Did you guys register? Like, whoa, that's really funny. Did you give? Did you give Steve some crap after the game? Because that was a. That was even Stan Van Gundy on the broadcast was like, he just literally carried that dude out. Yeah, Steve O picked me up before on OKC, so he did it as a joke, and he kind of just lifted me up one time at the free throw line, and I was like, man, this dude. But now he's on my team, and I saw him do it. I was like, this is so funny. Like, he just demoralized him by just, like, picking him up and just dragged him out. Like, that's so funny. Like, like I know he thought it was funny. He definitely thought it was funny. Like, he just he got to laugh it off, bro. What you going to do, get mad, airborne? You look like a toddler. Like, you're just getting carried. So it was it was mad funny. Like, I just that's what Steve-O does, though. He got our back. He going to do it. He going he gonna to make you, like, he not, he on that, he like, what he going to be tough for, like, you gonna try to be tougher than Steve-O? He knows that. Like, that's not even... He's so tough that he don't play that game. He's just gonna be like, bro, what are we doing, man? <laughs> Come on, man. Um, back back to your defense. Um, I had I was talking to Bill Simmons on, on my podcast this week, and he said, why, why are the odds on Jaron Jackson Jr. to win defensive player of the year? Why aren't they, why aren't they lower? Like, he should be really in the conversation. I was like, oh, I, I thought he was in the conversation. Like, I, I've heard it. I mean, you know, we can rattle off the names and all this, but is that an award? Like, do you feel like I, I want to win that award? I deserve that award? Or, or is, it, is it almost early? Like, what, how do you feel about that? Um, hell yeah, I want to. There you go. Win. It's everything I want. Um. I take pride in defense. I take pride about just being there for my teammates, being an anchor. You got to do it every night. There's no nights off doing it. It may not go the way you want always. You know, nothing's perfect, but I'm going to give it my all. And at the end of the day, like, I feel like the things I can do defensively, I mean, there's just a lot of different things I, I, I have a responsibility to do. I have to switch on the guards. I have to be an anchor. I got to block shots, chase down. I got to block shots on ball, off ball, half court, full court. I got to be able to, I mean, guard a guard in the clutch and switch one through five. I got to be able to just be able to, you know, I got to be able to talk. I got to be able to, like, listen. I got to be a quarterback. It's kind of like being a quarterback on defense. It's crazy. So. I mean, and I mean, I'm lead, I'm leading the league in blocks. I don't know what I have. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't even know I, I really was for a while. Didn't even know I was close, but I knew probably I was getting close after getting like five, six in a row, a couple games. So I'm, I don't know, man. I'm doing it, man, for real. And at the end of the day, like offensively, I have responsibilities too. So it's a lot of stress, like on the body it's not just like i'm going out there just you know with that in mind i have to do both and especially and especially when jaw was out i had to step it up in all areas and i had to make sure that offensively i was on point and i was able to do both so there's just there's no hiding if you're me man but i'm blessed with my height and my gifts and my quickness and my footwork and um i'm using it so you know Defensive player of the year, man. That's what I want. It is it is taxing though to play 
really hard on both ends of the floor. I don't. I, I, that's one of the things. There's a, there's a push and pull. The more you give on one, and the more responsibility you have on offense, the more you kind of want to take a possession off or something on defense. You haven't been able to do that, which which leads me to my next question. Your your number one skill when you came into the league, the one you established right away, was oh wow, this dude is a knockdown three point shooter. This guy's a big man who can shoot threes on the move, coming off screens, off the dribble. You're at thirty one percent from three this year. Are you frustrated, like just waiting for? I know the breakout is coming. I know I'm a way better shooter than this. The shot feels good. It's coming, or do you just do you just not even know what your? Did I just tell you what your percentage is? You didn't even know. No, I don't get frustrated. I just I just keep working. It just let it fly. At the end of the day, like yeah, like I mean, yeah, okay. You can tell somebody let it fly, and you can tell somebody like, all right, bet, like go out there and just have no conscience, keep your confidence forever, and just be great. Like cool, that sounds great, it's easy. At the end of the day, mathematically, I have eighty-two games to play. I have a game every other day. There's no way I'm about to get hung up on a game, game to game when it's over. I'm about to give it my absolute all in game to game. I'm going to have to prepare myself for the best chance to go out there and do it. So, I mean, all right, like, let's say you go 0 for 80, and then you got a game in two days. So, you get on the plane, you're like, damn. Like, to go into the next game, you got to act like you just went. You just had 80. You just had 80. You got to act like that so you can just have your, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you just had that. So that's how I always play. I'm going to just play like I had it. And eventually that joint going to go in. Because, I mean, you've seen me when I've missed a ton. You've seen me when I made a ton. So, I mean, whatever. You know, it's funny. If I'm missing a ton, maybe it'll back up and then I'll get, and then I'll get a bunch of open. There you go. <laughs> but who knows? Who cares? At the end of the day, I'm going to give it like I'm going to just do exactly what it's going to take to win. I've improved in so many areas. And. I'm going to continue to do that next summer and the summer after that. And a lot of that was just how I can get to the basket and finish. And that's improved so much for me. And thank God for that. But I, I, you're right. I do need to get to the point where I make sure I don't, I don't take that for granted and just forget about shooting just because, you know, you go in a slump and you're just like, oh, well, I can get to the rim every time. No, you got to respect the shot. That's why the rim is opening up. That's why that stuff happens. But all that is for real basketball heads. Like, you real basketball head, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But, like, if everyone else, you know, you know. Iconic Grizz moment number two. You were trailing the play when John Moran jumped into the stratosphere and pinned Avery Bradley's shot on the backboard mm. in Los Angeles. The block of the year, maybe the play of the year, honestly. I feel like it was the play that announced Ja as, like, okay, superstar. Grizzlies as, okay, this team's not scared. Anyone, they're good. I want you to tell me, take me back to that play, because you're jogging behind Ja. You're getting back on defense. Do you see it coming? And, and as he's in midair, are you like, oh, my God, he's going to get that? And, and like, what's what do you when you close uh, your eyes and think yeah. about that, what do you remember? I already knew he was gonna get it. I just didn't know how. So I seen him do his little thing with his feet. He does little steps, he tries to like see it. Same thing I do. You just try to like you just try to time it up. He he he's more of like he's just trying to get to a certain spot on the floor and jump. He's less worried about how they're gonna shoot. He's gonna jump as high as he can. So I'm like, damn. But funny enough, <laughs> I think he was trying to catch it, but he just jumped too high and too hard that he hit the basket. So like he literally couldn't. Funny, like it's funny how y'all think that's like the play that did it. Like 
That's no, not that, not that did funny. it. That just I'm look. I'm I'm watching you guys all the time. I'm talking not the play that like made your team or changed the dynamic. The te- the play that made the casual fan who's watching LeBron, who's watching Steph, mm. take notice and be like, "Whoa, they got they got something cooking down here." For sure, people in stables got a kick out of that one. Dudes has rockets in his caps, so he's out here. It, I, I can't. I'm seeing this every night. So I can't really tell you exactly what I was thinking, but I definitely was like, probably the next play I looked at BC and I'm like, that's probably the best block I've ever seen live, ever, ever in life. That's probably the craziest thing. But it's so early in the game that I just got to be like, all right, well, let's keep going. You know what I mean? That's the game you blow them out and Desmond Bain and LeBron get into a little tiff where LeBron is kind of telling them, hey, hey, kid, just play, man. You don't got rub it in, just play. And you guys all, everyone gets separated. You were actually taking Desmond away. Not away, but like walking back with him a little bit. Kyle Anderson's laughing. Everyone's kind of laughing. And that's when you became, you guys, that's when everyone I think also took note of like, man, these guys are serious. They don't take anything from anyone. That's LeBron James. And they're kind of laughing at the whole incident because they want to get under your skin. They take pride in being a team that plays so hard with such physicality. And such trash talk too, that they get you riled up. So did you did you in that moment be like, man, we're we're kind of pissing off LeBron, and we're not we're not backing down from that, or is that that's just who you guys are? I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times someone's just gotten pissed off. So I'm thinking, LeBron. Maybe the only reason that was probably a moment is because you know, obviously, it's LeBron. And I mean, we look up to him like growing up. That's our generation's Jordan. So for real, like, you know, I don't know. It's 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 like within the game, like, I don't know. I, I can't explain to you why we do it. We don't ever talk about why, like, but like, we just know you're going to feel this. Like we work so hard. We work too hard for you not to feel this. Like we just work too hard. It's never anything personal. And everybody knows that it's never nothing personal. If you make a personal, then you just, you like, if two people are arguing, if we're, let's say we're a team, we're going at another team, right? Another team, like they're going at us and we're chirping, everybody chirping, right? And then somebody on next, somebody on next, I want to make it personal. Bron definitely ain't making personal. Bron, come on, it's LeBron, man. Like at the end of the day, he's been doing this for a hundred years. Like there's no way that some random regular season game against us like got him thinking it's personal. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're, we're talking back and forth. It was great. I know he loved it. We loved it. But if if someone else they want to make it personal, <laughs> they're gonna make it personal on their own. They're basically yelling at air. Like we don't even hear you anymore. By the time you make it personal and you're starting to talk. We've moved on. You're boring. Like, we're not talking to you no more. We're, we're, we're talking to ourselves. We're like, yo, stay locked in. If the other team's getting texts, let them get texts. Like, we're not. Yeah, we were talking, but that was for that play. We've now moved on. We don't. It's not like something we're focused on throughout the game. It's we, you know, we're just going to keep playing and be ourselves. At the end of the day, it's about ourselves. And if someone's talking to us, cool. We love that, too. I mean, everything's everything's basketball, man. We work way too hard to not like let you feel this every single play like come on i hope y'all do the same man like we love that that's a, that tells me you love the game if you're not really talking i just don't know how much you love the game or that's just you you know or that's just you two guys drove to work 
Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. You were in the middle, right in between the draft day trade of Luka, Doncic, and Trey Young. You're mm. right in between three and five. You're four. Mm. Did you did you feel like that's all just going on around me and I'm pretty sure I'm going to Memphis? Or were you in suspense about where you were going? Were you following the trade rumors like everybody else? Because it feels like that, that draft is going to be talked about forever. And no one talks about you, not because you're not a great player, but just because there was like no drama around your pick. The drama is right above and right below you. But what was it like for you? Mm. I mean, <laughs> it was my draft day experience. I was just doing it with my family, like in my friends. At the end of the day, I was just hyped, like geeked. I was going to the league. Like at that point, going one one you go you get told you may go one through 10 or one lotto or first round at any point as a 17 year old 18 year old kid like you're gonna be so hyped like you're not gonna care you're not gonna like it, it, chips are gonna fall where they do and then after that you gotta go ahead and you gotta go ahead and go to your city and hoop like it's no more after that you gotta enjoy this day so i wasn't about to i didn't even look man i didn't know about a trade rumor i didn't care i'm not gonna lie and told you I'm not going to lie and tell you, I didn't really have a sense. I totally had a sense. I have an elite team. Of course, I have a sense of what's going on. But I'm going to still stay in the moment, though. I was just in the moment. Um, anytime I ever got close to thinking about it, I just kind of wouldn't. <laughs> I'm at the draft. Like, I've been looking at the draft for 100 years. We've been doing, I've been playing since I was eight to get to this point right here and beyond. So ain't no way, like. I'm about to get caught up in, you know what I mean? It's just, I'm just playing it out. Let's talk off-court stuff. You recently won the NBA's Community Assist Award. You've done a ton of stuff with voting rights and access to the voting booth. How, how did you get into that as an issue that you really wanted to dig in? And give me something kind of specific that you've learned about it, a specific obstacle that has to be overcome, a specific sort of nuance of the law that you're like, whoa, that's that's interesting. I need to learn more about that. How how'd you get into this and what's really struck you? Well, it's always been in my family to give back. It's always been in my family to be genuine about it. Um, in my family, there's a saying to whom much is given, much is required. Much required is 
the shorter version of what I take on and kind of project to as part of my brand. But it's bigger than that. It's something I tell kids, you know, someone's always watching you. There's going to be a lot of things around you. You're going to get, you know, anytime you get a gift or opportunity, you need to make the most of it. So when much is given to you, much is required to you to do something about it, because there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of people out there that would want to do something about it or something like that. And my parents had uh, like foundations growing up, camps growing up. So I wanted to do kind of the same sort of thing. And my team and my parents helped me for sure. They helped me get, get my feet under me and how on how to do it. And years ago, like maybe four years ago, three, four years ago before everything, like I was outside with the kids. I was outside. I would go to events. I'd be having fun. Like we'd be partying. We'd be doing or partying. They're like seven years old. But like we were at like whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, I'm just out at different things with them. And they appreciated that so much. So and that's like that, you know, for a kid, you don't understand. You don't understand real life, how money is an issue. If you don't know, understand how hard your parents are working. So you know, after that, I started to focus on the parents and what they would need and financials and resources. And I just felt like it was important to make their job easier. Because at the end of the day, like, if I can help a kid's heart by just talking to them, I ain't gonna help no parent's heart by talking to them. They got a whole nother job to do. They got a whole other thing to do. So, you know, that's a big key. Another key, what I what I focus on is women in sports. I make sure, you know, they they get the voice they need um, I'm always pushing that. I'm I'm a big advocate of that. My mom um, works in the WNBPA, so you see how that goes. She's just working it. She's the executive director of it, and you're on. You're the player, exactly. one of the Grizzlies player reps. I am. Yeah, I am. I'm. I am the Grizzly player rep. Uh, I'm. I'm knee deep in this, man. Trust me. I, I'm. I'm all about this. Like, in terms of sports and women in sports and advocation and leadership like that's all what me and my family stand for and i plan to always take that responsibility and make the most of it so um yeah what about what about the what about the voting part of it you've done voting rights that's like that's like that's a human thing that's like not even we're not even talking about sports that's something that's just yeah you know you gotta use your voice you i i I used to work (laughs) work at the polls when i was younger like kind of just helping out but you know, did you realize I, I didn't know that I did a little, little, little thing for you. I had rocked the vote in my draft suit. Um, oh, that's so, right. Yeah, I had it in my draft suit. So I've been doing this for a long time. And then um, at the end of the day, like I, I advocate for it all the time. You just got to use your voice. Like, I want to make sure kids know it's important, you know, and not not just for the elections that are important. Obviously, it was easy to say for certain ones, but it's always important. And people die for it, the right for the right so you know just remember that like when everybody wants to make a oh this that like just know people were dying for this bro like just people were dying take how you leave it if you ain't really tapped into being human you're not gonna understand that but if you are it should hit home for you and um i mean with the community assist where all that goes into it and we've had a great year my team's helped me so much i mean they (laughs) we've had a great year man we're gonna keep doing it too because that's just like that's the human thing to do is give back. Like we're here for only one reason. Um, you want to do something that's long lasting and memorable to a lot of people and something that they can truly use and take with them. Do you look, do you look forward to the playoffs? Do you guys, I mean, I know you guys have been pretty vocal about, you know, 
we feel like we can win the championship. Like yeah. that, that's that's it, that you're not hiding from that, right? Like that's the goal. You're the number two seed right now. Are you you looking forward to that challenge? Super excited about that. Was in the playoffs last year. Got in on a play in, and we knew that that was not our goal this year. It was always higher. We want to make it in and just be solidified, get some court home court advantage, get our crowd going. And we think about it all the time. You know, we got a meeting about it today where we just, you know, we take the time to really focus on what we got to do. We have 15 games left right now. So we're making that push. We want to be playing our best basketball right now. So, I mean, we're excited, man. We're a young team in the playoffs. Like the playoffs is where you make your, I don't know, where you make your your, your name something, bread, whatever. I don't know, whatever you want to say. Like this is where you want to, everybody's playing for a championship. That's it. Like that's all that matters. Did you did it feel different last year? Did the, did you get to the playoffs like okay, the, this game actually does does feel different than a regular season game? Not just the atmosphere and the crowd, but the intensity of the play, the physicality. Did it did it feel different, or does it feel like just kind of a regular season game, but with more at stake? Definitely felt different. Um, people were locked in. Both teams, you could tell. Everyone's studying each other to the to the whatever detail. The crowds on. 100 everything is just heightened um you get a lot of your friends you know you're like your friends know it's coming up they want to come to the game everybody trying to come to the game it's like that thing it's like the thing around town it's like that like it's like the carnival came to town or something but for you it's your job so it's like you're just super you're even more locked in knowing that there's so much excitement around for everybody else and the only time you get to really sit back and think about all that enjoyment is when it's over because you're really locked in um, and you're so locked in. That's not the only thing that matters. And honestly, I love that. I love when there's a time when I can completely focus on like a, a team so much that I don't even care about like anything. Like I'm eat sleeping my opponent to where like everything you got to know. To be honest, like you really should know, like if you really about to play a playoff team, like for Hoopers coming up, you should know everything about your matchup. You should know everything about the other team. You should really even know where they grew up. Kind of like you should know where their upbringing is. You should kind of know where they. Wait, 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 wait. Where where they grew up? It's different though. Like I, I know those guys, so I know certain guys. Like I can figure it out. Like I've grown up around them, so I could kind of you know. He's from St. Louis. He's from here. He's from New York. Donovan, like Donovan Mitchell's from New York. You know, like little things like that. You don't know when you're gonna need that. You might not. Like, you know, but I don't know. It just this, this sounds like some Bill Russell, Kobe Bryant, like maniacal. Compa- How am I going to use that information to help me win a playoff you series? You don't know. I don't know. But you don't know. But what else are you doing? It's not like I have anything else to think about. There's nothing else that really matters right now. So at the end of the day, like, I don't know. Maybe that'll come to help me at some point. man. Maybe I'll say something to somebody during the game about, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm, you just try to throw your opponent off. Who knows? Who knows? You try to learn everything you can so you're ready for any any situation. I love this. I love the idea of you sitting there late at night Googling biographical details of Boyan Bogdanovich. Just like, how can, how can I get under this guy's skin? What can I learn about his hometown? Um, yeah, it may not be that weird. I don't want to say I'm that weird sometimes. Oh, but... just, let me ha- just let me have it. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you a weird question. A very important Grizzlies question. This is becoming a storyline now. That was you guys were on TNT a couple nights ago playing the Pelicans, and Ian Eagle and Jimmy Jackson on TNT 
because it was a blowout, had like a two-minute conversation about this topic that has nothing to do with basketball. They were raving about, and I want to know if you guys have have addressed it as a team, Taylor Jenkins has got to have a top 10 beard in the world right now. The thing is thick and immaculate and like reddish oranges. Do you guys make fun of him? He grooms it. They shouted out the grooming product he uses on TNT. Like it became a whole thing. It's a real, it's a real story now. Dude, I don't even, this just shows how out of touch I am. Like maybe I, I mean, I don't think I'll ever get more in touch with the stories like that. Cause like, that's like the stuff I would see when I was a kid, like on TNT, but it's a top. It's definitely a top ten beard. You know, credit to it's his the beard. Be- I, it's the best beard in the NBA. It's better than Harden's beard. Harden's beard is 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 almost not even a beard anymore. It's something beyond a beard. I, I think it's the best beard in the NBA. <laughs> it could be. I mean, he definitely he would co-sign it. So I definitely would. But I mean, his coaching backs it up for sure, huh? Look what he's done over the time he's been here. He wasn't even a head coach before that. He was paying his dues, per se. I don't even know what he was doing, but whatever he was doing was working because he came here and started kicking ass. And he's on he's on us. He's with us. He's 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 right in the he'll he'll stand in the line of battle with us as well as push us to be great at all times. So we just we're always on the same page. He's so locked in. We know how much he cares. That's what makes us care. So, you know, what's what I've taken from this conversation as we wrap it up? You talk to a lot of guys, especially the last couple of years in the pandemic. It's it's a grind, man. Like flight, hotel, flight, hotel, game, 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 hotel, pandemic, can't even go out to dinner for part of the pandemic. I'm stuck in my room. You sound like you guys are just having a lot of fun. Like it's a bunch of young guys and like you, you seem like I'm looking forward to the games. I'm liking it. Is that like the vibe of that I'm getting from you is like, yeah, it's game 67 or whatever. Like I'm having fun. We're having a blast, man. Every single time we're out there, because we know that it could be worse. We could be on a could be on a team with a bunch of toxic behavior, a bunch of dudes that just don't really like each other and just every day sucks. That could be us. So it's not us. And when I started to feel that, man, this is really pretty special. And like the chances of this are just, you know, whatever in a million, because a lot of things got to go right for all of us having to be on the same team. Once I realized that and appreciated that more, man, I just thank God. And I go out there hype every day just because I know like a lot of people will want to be in this position. So it's it's lit, man. I'm telling you, we were having a lot of fun. We've always had the same little goals. Like it's just we just so happen to like the same stuff off the court, hang out off the court. We just so happen to have the same goals. What are the chances of all that? We listen to the same music. <laughs> what are the chances of all that? Like everyone's on the same page. So um it's 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 special man it's special you don't find all the time and i just want to cherish it for as long as i can and make the most of it really well you guys are a young team there's no reason this can't last for a really long time but it's been from the outside it's been a blast to watch espn i don't know if you know this but we are descending on memphis in about 10 days for an espn all access with the grizzlies when you guys play the nets uh, on the 23rd of March, I think. So we'll all see you there. But it's been a blast to watch. You guys are fun to watch. And keep on winning, man. Congrats on a great season. I think you are a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, it's it's just been a lot of fun to watch. Congrats. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having us. And the whole, like, the ESPN thing, like, that goes a long way. Like, 
I think this city deserves so much, so much recognition. And just for us to be able to put them on the map, like it's huge. Um, all access is something, I mean, that's like a legendary thing. Like we watch all accents. We was little and all access is crazy. So, you know, and I'm always going to advocate for myself. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm always going to, I have the utmost confidence and trust me, everything I got, everything I have. And that just comes from, you know, how I keep my circle, how I run my life, how I just operate. Um, so yeah, me for defensive player of the year, we're going to try to get a ring. Come out to the games, man. I really don't care about nothing else except if you come get a ticket. Like, forget all that other stuff. We want to be on. We want to be on TNT. We want to be on ESPN, man. Y'all should fly here and come to the show in person, man. At the end of the day, like, a, a real support and really getting out there helps. It's lit. I really like. I mean, trust me. If I was a fan, I'm coming to our games. I would. I would literally. If I'm a fan, I'm coming to our games over all games. But yep, me for defensive player of the year. And album of the year. There you go. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. Like I said, you guys are having fun. Thank you for coming on the Low Post Podcast. I'll see you in Memphis in about 10 days. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Time for our next guest and... He doesn't know this yet, but every time there's one player, one player, only one, that every time I have someone on that was a teammate of this player, is a coach of this player, remotely connected to this player, watched this player's car, picked up his dry cleaning, whatever, I have to ask about the best stories that this person, this guest has about that player. And that player, of course, is Kevin Garnett, one of my all-time favorite players to watch. Never, never talked to Kevin Garnett, actually. Um, learned more about NBA defense watching Kevin Garnett than I did watching any other player. And obviously one of the all-time great personalities in the NBA, one of the all-time unusual personalities in the NBA. Got his number retired, number five retired by the Boston Celtics on Sunday. And in attendance at that game, the starting center on the 2008 Mm -hmm. NBA champion Boston Celtics still never lost a playoff series when they were healthy. ESPN's Kendrick Perkins. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, Zach, that's the type of intro I like. You know what? See, see this Zach Lowe right here, this is the Zach Lowe I love. I don't know the Zach Lowe that be on TV with me. You know what I mean? I, this the Zach Lowe I love. I need to start this over so you could just read, so you can introduce me again because that introduction, that was everything. Now, what's up, my brother? I appreciate you having me on. Well, look, you're the only person at ESPN, the only colleague I've ever had where my mother, God bless her, had to ask me, why is that guy being so mean to you on TV? Do I need that guy with the beard? Do I need to not like that guy? Is he a bad guy? I said, no, mom, it's all good. He's fine. We're all we're all just having fun. So, Perk, so, Perk, how long did you get to be in Boston? Did you guys get to go out the night before as a group and just sort of other than the ceremony itself? What are the memories you're going to take from from last Sunday? Well, well, you know what, Zach? I did not got in actually 11 o'clock 
the day of the ceremony. So I had, I got in just in enough time to check into my hotel room and, and go to the arena. But I will say this, you know, just watching, you know, KG, watching his energy, him being there with his two daughters, uh, Capri and Costa, uh, and just watching him, man, just just pacing the, in the, in the room, in his little room, in the room that they had him in, you know, you could tell, you know, he didn't know what to expect that he was just going to go with the flow because he didn't know how to fit, how, how he was going to feel. And so when I, when I, when I got there, just catching up with like guys like Eddie House, you know, uh, James Posey, uh, Ray, Ray, sitting courtside with Ray and being able to talk with Ray. I haven't spoke to Ray in like two years. And I mean, he surprised us all. I mean, by pulling up like first class. I mean, you know, when you think about a class act, that was that was it at its finest. But it was just KG and, and just him having his moment and him and him and him having his day. Because remember, Zach. I had just did his uh his show uh in LA like a week before that. Uh, I went down to his studio in the valley in L in LA and I did his show. And you know, we got a chance to sit down for like three or four hours. So, you know, I was just wanted to make sure I'd done my part and been there to support my brother because I knew how special it was to him. Did you so you did not know the whole Ray Allen thing was going to happen. The, the, the sort of burying the hatchet KG shouts him out. Paul comes, they have a group hug like that camp is a surprise to you. It did. And, and you know what? It happened organically. No one knew Ray was coming. We knew Ray had the invite, but no one knew that he actually was coming. And it was crazy because everybody, I was in a, I was one of the last ones that was in the back with KG and I was like, man, look, I'm not about to be sitting back here with you. I'm about to go out here, the game about to start. He like, man, walk out with me. I'm like, no, I ain't walking out with you. Like, this this is your moment. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you go walk out by yourself, you know what I mean, and embrace this. So I left him, and they had my seats, you know, uh, sitting, like, right by the courtside by the Dallas Mavericks bench. And when I looked, I'm like, Okay, let's see house. I remember riding on the the on the bus from the hotel with him. Say that's right. So I went there, sat down. And I was like, oh man, I want to see how KG was gonna react. And it was during the timeout, and they put uh, me, Ray, and E House on the on the, on the jumbo on the big screen, and KG was like, oh, oh. And I know it wasn't towards me because I just, I, you know, I had been with him the, doing his show and in the back and things to that nature. So I know he wasn't doing that to me. He didn't care about me being there. He knew I was coming. But it was his face when he saw Ray. And when he saw Ray, it was just almost like it was that moment before the ceremony, before the game, you know, had even got to the second quarter that it looked like he was starting <laughs> to want it to tear up a little bit, like, you know, and I was like, okay, okay, now it's, now the energy is right. The energy in here is how it's supposed to be. I don't want to get too deep down the Ray Allen rabbit hole, but just, just answer this simple question. How much of the Ray 
let's call it tension between the rest of the 2008 Celtics core and Ray. How much of it was about him going to Miami and how much of it was about stuff that happened inside the locker room that we don't need to get into because that's team stuff before him going to Miami. Well, well you know what? You know what's, you know what's crazy is this, Zach. We had so much tension and we had so many arguments in that locker room. Uh, I don't think that had anything to do with the, the beef or whatever you want to call it that guys had towards Ray. Remember, I don't know what went on and why Ray left, because I was already gone. And you know what's crazy? I never even asked until about last year when I was with KG, and he told me it wasn't that Ray, it wasn't that Ray left, it's how he left. And I think, you know, he didn't really give them a heads up. He didn't, he didn't take them out to dinner, you know, you know, or say, hey man, it's been fun, but I'm gonna go here. I think it was how he left is what kind of, you know, uh caused KG and everybody else to kind of be in their feelings. And, and understandable. But let me say this to you, Zach. I know you probably got some other questions you want to get to, but let me say this real quick. It is time for the Boston Celtics and Wick, Steve, Dr. Cash, the whole entire ownership group to put their pettiness aside as well and retire Ray Allen jersey. I mean, his jersey deserves to be up there in the Raptors, okay? Let's not let's not get that misunderstood. And I think at the at the KG speech at, at with his speech with his at, at his retirement his speech that he gave after Ray walked out there and they hugged and they embraced one another. You know KG said you're next, and and he meant that like you need to be up there because we all know that we wouldn't have won a championship or have those great playoff runs without Ray Allen. Like, he he was just as important as Paul and KG. And I think the ownership group knows that. I think the organization, the fan base knows that. And it's time to retire Ray Allen jersey in Boston. It really is. How well did you know KG before – he got traded to the Celtics. Did you know him at all? Were you trash talking enemies in games? What was your pre pre Boston relationship? Oh, oh, Zach, we couldn't stand each other. We couldn't stand each other. It was bad. Like it was almost to the point where we didn't. We almost came to blows. He didn't like me, and damn it, I didn't like him. And it, it was for real. And so when he got when when the trade happened, I was pissed. You know, I was on the phone with Doc, and I was like, man, why are we trading for KG? Man, we got Al Jefferson. We'll be all right in the future. And, 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 and you know, we really we really don't need him. Like, it's going to turn the corner. And you had, had, you had had Ray by then. The Ray came first. Yeah, Ray, Ray right. So, so Doc was <laughs> – Doc had called me, and Doc was like, you know what, Perk? I'm going to hang up. And I'm going to let you think about this for a moment. And then you can call me back. And it didn't take me, it was less than 24 hours that I realized I was playing, I was going to be playing alongside a, a guy that I actually wore his shoes in high school that I looked up to in KG. So when KG first got to Boston, me and KG didn't say a word to each other for about a month. 
like literally a month. He was skeptical of me and I was skeptical of him, but he don't know. I'm a young guy that's still a guy that looked up to him, but I'm just waiting to see, like, when he going to say, hey, what's up, Perk, you know, or embrace me, come here, young fella. He never really done that because he was trying to fill me out. And I remember he asked Paul, hey, man, what's up with Perk, man? Like, I ain't trying to come there, man, you know what I'm saying? And we going to be getting into it every day. And Paul's like, chill out, big fella. You going to love big Perk, man. He, he going to go hard for you. He a great guy. So – KG and I, we got to the Celtics. We was, we we all arrived in Boston because we love to go to training camp um, in Rome at the end of September. And so we all got there right after Labor Day. And we were working out. You know, we were, we were playing, getting some work in, things to that nature. KG and I didn't say a word to each other. Now, mind I tell you, we're on the plane going to Rome, and KG and I still didn't say a word to each other. The first training camp practice, the starting five, KG and I still didn't say a word to each other. It took for us to get to our first preseason game against Bayani and Chris Bosch. We won that game, passed some great numbers. We both were tied on the string, talking noise, playing with passion. And, and right after that, he came on the bus and he was like, wait a, you know, wait a f- go MF. And I'm like, he like, oh yeah. And then after that, he just embraced me with open arms. It took us to actually be in the trenches of a preseason game for him to actually break the ice and say something to me. And ever since then, we've been like this ever since then, all the way up to now. Let me tell you some of the KG stories that have come out on this podcast, and you can hit me with some KG stories. Because all everyone knows the trash talk, the swearing, oh. don't even mess don't even mess with his steam showers after games. You don't even want to mess with that routine. So 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 we so just on the, I was listening to some of my old podcasts. I had Chauncey Billups on, and he recounted the time that Wally Zerbiak got kicked out of practice in Minnesota for mouthing off to KG. Yeah. And the entire Timberwolves team tried to chase KG into the locker room to stop him from beating up Wally Zerbiak, who was on the training table, hooked up to some sort of technology and couldn't quite defend himself like he should have. Yeah. There's that. The Scalabrini came on and, of course, told the famous arm wrestling story on the plane and with Big Baby when he beats Big Baby in arm wrestling and rips his shirt off and starts talking trash. And of all the gambling stories and all the tens of thousands of dollars that was at stake on the plane, Ryan Saunders told some different kind of stories. What are you talking about? Ryan Saunders was a kid, was a high school player, when Flip, his dad, was the coach of the KG Timberwolves. And Ryan used to come shoot at night, Mm -hmm. and KG would be there. And so Ryan, as a dutiful kid, would rebound for KG, the franchise superstar. And after about an hour of that, KG would say, hey, man, I know you're you're trying to play your game, hone your game. Let me rebound for you for a little bit. And KG would rebound for this scrawny high school kid. Uh, he tipped Ryan Saunders all sorts of tons of money for being Ryan's, for being KG's ball kid. And he didn't know this, but Flip, Ryan's dad, matched every KG tip donation and put it in Ryan Saunders' college fund and set up the riots and paid for Ryan, Sa- uh, Ryan to go to school. And when Ryan Saunders turned 16, KG tried to give him his green Porsche as a birthday gift 
And Flip said, no, no, we're, you can't have a green Porsche driving around the winters in Minnesota, a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> Scalabrini told me about how he bought, you know, the stories of KG buying gifts for his teammates, suits, watches, a Louis Vuitton bag are, are legendary. So there's all these different kinds of stories, the, the, the sort of like almost crazy KG stories, the trash talking, and then the generosity stories. And, and of course, the legendary intensity and competitiveness of him as a player. What what are some of the ones that that you've got? What are what are some of the ones that are near and dear to your heart? I mean, you were well, there for the arm wrestling one. Well, I, I was there, so you 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 got all the intense stories, right? You got the KG giveaway stories, right? And I and I I listen. I was on the other side of getting receiving some of those gifts, and I'm telling you, Zach, it was a beautiful thing. Okay, it was just beautiful. But listen. I'm going to give you the KG accountability stories, okay? Like, for example, Darren Ehrman, right, who's the assistant coach of the New York Knicks. Darren Ehrman was a guy that was a lawyer, making $250,000 a year as a lawyer. Stopped being a lawyer. A lawyer had a passion to actually coach in the NBA. Didn't take any shortcut. So imagine this. You're making $250,000 a year. You stop everything that you work for, however many years you went to school, all the time you invested to get to that point, and you start all the way over. And when I say all the way over, I mean at, at the bottom of the bottom. Darren Ehrman went from having his own to moving to Boston and staying in someone's bait, renting out someone's basement. Darren Ehrman had his office space was in the closet where you used to turn, where the lights were to turn on at the practice facility, okay? Darren Ehrman showed up at the gym and was there from five in the morning to 11 at night. Working, waiting on any guy to come in so he could rebound, work out for him, whatever the case may be. Now, this is a guy that was making $250,000 a year, okay? So KG would only work out with one person. And it was surprising because this one person, they always butted heads in film rooms and shoot around. It was Tibbs. So... He always would do his 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 practice with Tibbs for his skill work. Everything was with Tibbs. And guess who was the guy rebounding? Darren Ehrman, right? So Darren Ehrman, before practice was started, practice was, was started at 11, he would be on the floor at 10 o'clock with a towel over his shoulder and a ball in his hand, okay? And so practice would go. And me and KG probably were the, the biggest sweaters in NBA history. Meaning, like, I'm talking about when we sweat, it was puddles, all right? Darren Ehrman would be waiting. If somebody would dive on the floor for a loose ball or someone would fall from getting fouled or whatever the case may be, he would sprint on the floor with the ball in his hands and get had a towel, I mean, wiping it up. Like, I'm talking about really grinding, right? Then he'll sprint back to the corner. Ball in hand in case somebody needed with a towel over his shoulder. 
So one day, KG just came in and he's upset. He's pissed off. So they have got now, mind I tell you, he's talking to like assistant general managers who's on the floor watching. He's talking to other assistant coaches, okay, doing practice. Say, you know what, man? Hey, look. No, we was having practice. And somebody fell on the floor. And Darren Ehrman ran out there again. He's wiping the floor by himself, scrubbing, and everybody just standing around watching. So he like, you know what? Hold, hold up, Doc. Hold up, Doc. I got something, I got something to say. So we like, what's up, man? What's up, Tick? He like, look, all you motherfuckers sitting around here, Danny, I'm talking to you, all these assistant coaches. Hey, you see my man, my, you see my man Erm right there? From now on, every time I walk in the gym, I need you with a ball in your hand and a towel over your shoulder. Or we gonna have a problem. Like, everybody need to be invested like my bro, like my man Erm. So I'm sitting up there like, damn. We walk into practice the next day, guess what? <laughs> everybody had a ball in their hand and a towel over his shoulder. See, like, that was accountability. And, and it wasn't to the point where he was telling them to go and, and, and actually get on their knees and, and wipe up sweat. But it was it was to the point where it was showing them that we're in this together and no one is higher than the next person. Like, that's, that's what people don't realize, like, those messages and those moments that you have with KG, those special moments were huge. Like, you got to realize, and I, I told this, the reason that all that all that 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 2007 and 2008 season worked the way that it did was because KG set the tone from day one. Zach, we went to training camp, and we all knew as good as Ray was, as great of a player as Ray and Paul were. Like we all know, top 75 greatest players. Okay, we we understand that. KG set the tone the first day of film session and said, you know what? We're going to run our offense through Kate, I mean, through Ray and Paul, and I'm going to be the third option. I'm going to focus on this defensive end. And if you need me, then you can come to me on the block. But we're going to go through these two months. So I'm like, once he did that, it was a tone setter for everybody else to lose themselves in the team. See, those are the moments that I look at for us with KG. Like, you know what I mean? He he knew. He always used to say, hey, what we're trying to accomplish is bigger than one individual. And you couldn't, you couldn't say it. So he kept he kept personal personal agendas completely out of our locker room. And you know, when they talk about stories, we could go on for hours, but like those two right there just spoke to him as like in my eyes being one of the it being the best teammate that I've ever had. And I had quite a few of I the first time I ever heard the hypothetical of and these hypotheticals obviously are are silly and can't happen and would, would everything else would change along with them. But the first time I ever heard the hypothetical, what if the Spurs drafted Kevin Garnett? and the Timberwolves drafted Tim Duncan, how differently would we look at those players? 
Mm. I, I think about that like once every week now because I just think if if league pass culture were like were like it is now in KG's prime, he would have been like a sensation. The stuff he was doing in Minnesota at his peak when he was like playing point guard, center, 25, 15, and 5 on the regular, defensive player of the year caliber, defense, guarding every position, like that's just lost. That's just lost in the wilderness of technology somewhere. Like nobody was watching those games. And if, if he no. had been playing today, it would have been appointment viewing. And I just tell people like 26,000 points, 14,000 rebounds, 5,000 assists. He's in the conversation for greatest defensive player of all time. I just the, that KG is just sort of the like it's like as if he played in the '60s or something. But I just like forget the stories. What that guy was doing on the court, and and of course he's on. The point of the hypothetical is he gets drafted to this dysfunctional franchise that screws up all the time. He wins. He gets out of the first round once, I think, in Minnesota when they make the conference finals. Yep. And he's and everyone's asking questions about him. Can he win big games? Well, they should have been asking questions about the organization because that dude, in his prime, if you get a chance to go watch like 2003, 2004 KG, it, he'd be a sensation right now. We'd be talking about him like we talk about Jokic and Embiid every single day. Yes. Yes, Zach. And, and you know, like, we, we talk about that, like, if he was with the Spurs, if KG was with the Spurs, and let's hypothetically think about this. What if Anthony Davis had KG mindset? See, when we look at power forwards, right, we all talk about the, the talent of Anthony Davis, but KG was the AD before AD. Like, we have to remember and I, I, I believe it was in those Western Conference Finals when he lost, I believe, Troy Hudson. And he, he was playing with a hobbled Sam Cassell. And he, had to, and he had to run the point. And he was, you know, up bringing it up between his legs, between cross. And then we go back and we look at those old videos when he was going full court one-on-one -on -one at the Olympics against Vince Carter and, and Jay Kidd. Like, we forget how skilled he was. Like, we forget because, because he played whatever role the team needed him to play at the time, whether they moved him to the center or want, whether they wanted him on the low block to, to post up or whether they wanted him to pick and pop, that we forgot really how skilled KG was. And I always think about what if Anthony Davis just had KG mentality? See, that's the thing that, like, weathered him through anything, right? And you're right, Zach. When you talk about being one of those guys, one of the best defensive players of all time, like, he's right there. Like, seven foot, long. I used to, like, his best defense was he's not going to let a guy catch it. And I've never seen somebody deny people the basketball the way that he had the capability of doing. See, that's so underrated because the best way to stop somebody if you know you truthfully can't guard them is to not let them catch the ball. And he was the best at doing that, along with sitting down and challenging people and clapping his hands and getting low and all those, uh, you know, things he was doing on the floor. But – his deny game, his skill set, his mindset, Zach, was different. And it rubbed off on me. 
And I'm going to tell you this. I never told this to anybody. But I feel like KG actually is the reason why I had a 14-year career. And you know why? Because he, from the time he embraced me, he, t he made it okay for me to be me. And when you have a guy to that nature that values setting screens, who values the way you anchor a defense, and told me, hey, man, just be you. If you try to be something else, you might have a short career. You try to go out there and put up 20 a night, might be out the league. But if you go out there and you be the best version of Perk, you're going to be around for 10 plus, big fella. Be you. Be you. And never be afraid to be you. And he always used to say this. If you have a good game, we all do this. We all rush. And we all rushed to see because we didn't really have social media. I wasn't involved with social media. But you want to go click on the TV to see what they saying about you, right? He said, do the same thing when you have a bad guy and use that as fuel. Don't take it because this is what you signed up for. Don't take it personal, but use it for motivation for the next game. So, you know, that's that's the type of guy he is. And you know what, Zach? I, I, some kind of way, I got to make that introduction. Like, you and KG got to meet. You and KG got to meet. <laughs> It'll happen. We've been in the same room a few times, but the circumstances were never – Quite right for an intro. This was really fun, Perk, except you violated one of the rules. I forgot to tell you we were going to go try to go the whole low post podcast today without talking about the Lakers. And you brought up Anthony Davis. Man, they uh, stink. Uh, they stink. So uh, 29 and 39, they got rolled by the Raptors last night. They get rolled every night now. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Um, any any <laughs> last any last words on, on KG? Any last memories from that from that Sunday in Boston you want to share? You, you know what? It was just... I kept telling him I, the whole time, he he knows I'm always that guy that I always want to, like, you know, mess with him because I, I always want to see the other want other people in the outside world to see the other side of him, right? So I said, I kept saying, I'm just waiting to see when them tears go fall through, fella. <laughs> Be like, hey, look, Perp, chill out, man. Ain't, no, ain't nothing soft going on. Don't you start. And don't you start shedding no tears. And then all of a sudden, like he made it all the way through, and then all of a sudden, when that that rope got to pulling up, Zach, you just start seeing them fall. That was the best moment because you know what? He it was there, like it was it was so organic. Like he 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 finally felt it, and it was like he was like, damn, damn, like yeah, like, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, that's it, that's it. Perk. Thanks for hopping on and reflecting on one of your all-time best teammates and the championship run and all that. I will see you soon enough on television. You'll be yelling at me before we know it. But uh, thanks for reminiscing about the good old days and uh, keep up the great work, my hey, friend. Hey, Zach, thanks for having me. Look, don't keep me away too long, all right? All right? I'm always available. Thanks, Perk. Be well. Right. Best to your family, buddy. Right. You too. <laughs>